my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, fun show today. I was joined by my brother, Remzo Martinez. Uh, you know the drill. It's always a great time uh, when Remzo's on the show. Uh, before we get to Remzo, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can hit us up over on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, the great Remzo Martinez. All right, guys, we are here with my brother, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, how you doing? Brady, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I'm feeling fine. Same. Yeah, I'm actually feeling pretty good today. So, uh, good. Let's, uh, you know, I feel great. I feel great. I know the world's ending, but who cares? Uh, look, uh, where to start? Where to start? Um, let's start here. H- how about this? If we had a real free press, Remzo, uh, the Biden campaign would be over. <laughs> that's why i always say our biggest fight is against the press not like the democrats or the left more generally uh five days ago the new york post dropped the big uh, october surprise uh biden is corrupt <laughs> and used his office to enrich his degenerate son hunter um the press completely covered it up uh, obviously big tech did as well. well we'll get to big tech later on in the show but the press completely buried the story i mean this is the kind of bombshell that ordinarily i mean tell me if i'm wrong but it, it seems like this is the kind of bombshell that, that ordinarily would mean Trump was on his way to winning 45 states, like like a Reagan 84 type of landslide. It's that bad. Like, it's, it's that bad. Biden's that corrupt, and the press is just that evil for covering it up. I, I mean, this is one of the situations where it just shows that they're willing to— to ignore literally any amount of degeneracy in order to win. Uh, this is the same— you know, group of people that when Biden was asked if a four-year-old should have a gender reassignment surgery, he said, yeah, go for it. Uh, these are the people that burn down cities. These are the people that believe that gender doesn't exist, yet women need more equality. Uh, these are the people that are saying that we're the most racist country on the earth. These are the people that are saying that Republicans are literally destroying our our, our, our democracy. Uh, while at the same time, the media and people within our own deep state are going out and just destroying the lives of people that dare de- that dare be different. And I think uh, Keith Olbermann went ahead and said it best when he said, oh, we need to go after Trump and his his assailants and we need to persecute them and, you know, find them and remove them from our society because he's being the most honest. Right. I mean, there there's no semblance of objectivity left. And um, it's it's absolutely horrifying. And I'm glad I left the newsroom because it you know, there's only so much you could take from actually putting out actual stories and then realizing that people don't really care about that. It's like whatever we say about the press, they're actually worse. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like no matter how many times the president calls them the enemy of the American people, they're just they're worse. Like that's being too kind. You know, it's like they're not just corrupt. 
they're shoving their corruption in your face. Like they're laughing at you because like they're bragging about how corrupt they are. It's like they're not just they're they're cartoonishly corrupt. I mean, it's like they're a cartoon version of everything we say about them. Oh, well, I think uh, I think there was a joke a while back that said if Trump saved a cat from the tree, CNN would say that uh, he's making the world more dangerous for dogs. Uh, MSNBC would say that the cat is a white supremacist. And then Vox would have a story out saying that, you know, the cat is tied to Russia. I mean, it's it, it's it's not even there, there used to be a difference between commentary and, the, and news. And now the news is all commentary because we can't look at things objectively. I was reading, and I mean, it's not even just in news, it's in literally everything. I was reading a, a website called uh, Women Write About Comics or something like that, and there's this one writer named Tom King. Tom King, former CIA agent, went on to go write comic books for DC. He's written some of my favorite titles. Uh, you know, he treats his fans like shit on Twitter, but you know, he, he's, a, he's kind of a radical lefty. So I'm reading this article about his new comic, Rorschach, which is a uh, you know, continuation of the Watchmen comics. And apparently the villain of the book is a pretty woke liberal. So it was supposed to add a different twist to what you would typically get from one of his comics. And what this uh, one writer wrote over at that website was basically that uh, because the enemy is a liberal, uh, Tom King is basically complicit with creating a uh, a dangerous and terrifying (laughs) world because the only villains Uh, out there have to be right wing and they have to be Nazis and all this other stuff. And I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, my God, they're eating their own because they can't exist in the world of nuance, gray space or anything other than the echo chamber. I mean, I remember growing up, it was the conservatives and the right wing that were canceling and trying to get things banned like video games. And the liberals were all about free expression and diversity of thought. Now it's just the echo chamber and they they become more constrictive of each other day in, day out. So, I mean, nowhere is safe. Nowhere is safe for anybody. The thing is, they, they're so in the tank for the Democrats. It's like when, when we do have a democratic president, democratic government. It, it, it's it's terrifying to think what the press won't cover. You know what I mean? It's like they, they refuse to cover anything negative. They will circle any wagons, any and all wagons around any Democrat, like any Democrat. Like Democrats that they don't, know, they don't even need. You know what I mean? Just if somebody's on the left, the press will protect them. So it's like, will the press cover up wars? You know what I mean? If, there, if there's a Democratic I mean, the, president, the well, New like, York Times, they'll cover the up York, anything. Yeah, I mean, the New York Times, right before the, U, the U.S. invasion of Europe during World War II, they covered up the Holocaust. And, yeah. uh, you know, the owners of the New York Times were Jewish. And after World War II, somebody asked them, it's like, you knew of all the stuff that was going on with Hitler and the Jews right before the war began. Why didn't you do anything? And they literally said, well, we didn't want people to think that we were, uh, you know, too pro-Jewish, despite the facts that, you know, they're a good chunk of Jews in the country and that they themselves, the owners, were Jewish, but they didn't want to seem too pro-Jewish. So they literally covered up one of the biggest crimes against humanity so that way people would continue buying their shit papers. Amazing. And that's who these people are. And, and going back to the New York Post story, uh, the Hunter Biden files real quick, uh, the Biden team hasn't refuted any of it. <laughs> okay. it's been Biden's response was like, oh, come on, man. Don't ask me about that. Yeah, that's not a denial. Uh, so it's been five days, no denial from from Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden's lawyer, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's lawyer, or the campaign. Okay, it's real. Okay, if, if Joe Biden has denied it in five days, 
it's real. And also the Biden team this morning hilariously called a lid um, for the rest of the week until Thursday at the next debate. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. He called a, oh, lid. He hey. called a lid until Thursday. Yeah, Come on, he, man. He was, on, he was on a campaign stop and he wanted to go get ice cream with his uh, daughter. So as they're walking up and reporters are about to run over and ask him questions, he said, please let me get some ice cream with my daughter. And they like it's like he parted the Red Sea and they all gave him his space and they literally said nothing. So that way he could go order his stuff. Trump can't go to his own press conferences without being hassled by everybody. But these people have such reverence for Biden. And I mean, people don't think it's as vain as it is, but it really is. What you do as a reporter, if you want to go ahead and actually do well and get connections and make more money, is you want to get cozy with these people. So what you do is you write puff pieces, you send it to the congressman or senator's press secretary. They give you a pound the head and say, good job. You do a few more and then they invite you to, uh, you know, to uh to a party or something, and then you get to take selfies of those people. These journalists are more vain than you realize, and they just want attention. It's the quickest way to become a celebrity with no real talent. And people don't think it's that, you know, it's that vain, it's that petty, but it really is at the end of the day, because these people aren't smart. No. I think, you know, we, we have a bunch of over-credentialized young people running around as reporters, but the thing is, they're actually just not that smart. And they go into there because they know that if they can get something in front of people, because they have that moniker of being like an objective reporter or something, you have to believe them. But that's just been completely, you know, hacked down. It's it's just dead. Yeah. So I think that these people who on their own social media and everywhere else tell you what they think, the fact that you think they're going to still be objective about it is ridiculous. I, I had a I had a rule when I was a freelancer. Don't vote and don't cover elections that you have a direct involvement in. And yet these people who are so in the pocket for Biden are just out there actually doing it. George Orwell had a great saying that said, um, if you're not making big people mad with your stories, you're in PR, not journalism. It's so funny. The or so perfect the now than ever before. And it's so funny, man. The Democrats are so out of practice with actually answering questions from the press that any time a member of the press will actually even ask them just a, a gimme, they'll just serve Joe Biden. I mean, I forget which journo asked Joe Biden about the, the Hunter Biden story, but it was like, a, hey, Republicans are super bad and mean, and obviously they're lying about you. Right, Joe? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they... He threw him in a scape rope like he was trying to help Joe Biden out and Joe Biden flipped out and wouldn't answer the question and attack the journalist. You know what I mean? It's like it's you see Nancy Pelosi on TV. I think it was with, uh, I don't know, Chuck Todd or, or, or Wolf Blitz or one of these guys, one of these Democrat hacks. And they're like, well, you know, congressional Republicans are just real mean and they're just making your job hard and they're bad. Right. But, you know, why, why can't you, you know, make a deal with them? And she flipped out. It's like they they haven't been asked real questions in so many years. It's like they're just, I don't know, it's like a boxer who like just didn't train for a fight at all. And then they get in there and get beat up or whatever. Like It's it's hilarious. Because they know that there's nothing they can do that will have these people ever show up on their bad side. 
I, I don't remember where I was. I, I, actually, I was I was on a Ben Stein's program, The World According to Ben Stein, last Thursday, and we were talking about how the media treats some people different than the others. And I brought up the example of John McCain. John McCain spent his entire life kissing CNN's ass, yep. so that way, when he ran for president, they would at least try and be a little bit respectful to him. But the moment he actually did, and then they chose Barack Obama as their nominee, they said he was racist, he was anti-woman, he would start World War III. And, you know, what what it basically showed was that there's nothing you can do to ever make these people on your side because the decision was made before you even spoke a word. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, same for Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is the darling of the ball now. And, you know, they were saying that he would bring about the end of the world in 2012. But now Mitt Romney is like this, you know, poetic statesman. Um, you know, who's the last lion of democracy and stuff. And it's like you people literally accused him of murdering a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they literally called him Adolf Hitler. I mean, Trump himself. The press loved Trump before he registered as a Republican and ran for president. I mean, oh, he was, he was, he was yeah, I mean, he's the reason why Virginia went blue, which I think is ultimately the, the biggest irony in the world. He gave money to Terry McAuliffe and to Ralph Northam and to Mark Herring, uh, people that are still around in government. He, I mean, he was friends of Al Sharpton and everybody else. And then as soon as he ran for president uh, as a Republican, they, you know, they completely changed their tune. And uh, the more they attack him and the more he actually does what he needs to get done, the more I believe that the change may have been more genuine than I once gave him credit for. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Because you don't because you don't go to sleep every night knowing that people who once begged you for attention are now roasting you 24 hours a day and not have it affect you unless it's going to be something serious. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. Um, Back to the New York Post story the only denial thus far from the left from anybody on the left was from adam schiff (laughs) who said the story is russian disinformation russia like dude these people hate you so much like the disdain adam schiff has for the american people i mean these people think that you're mentally handicapped like these people think that they can convince you that russia gave hunter biden's laptop to a laptop, Vladimir Putin came into New Jersey and gave Hunter Biden's laptop to a laptop repair guy. Like, dude, this uh, is an IQ uh, unless test. You, yeah, I mean, unless you tell me that it was a Russian spy who pretended to be the hooker that he snorted blow off of in those photos, then maybe, maybe I'll believe that the whole thing was a setup. But I'm sorry, Vladimir Putin did not put that crack pipe in Hunter Biden's mouth as he laid in bed sleeping. No, he did not. No, he did not. I, it's it's an IQ test, man. It's an IQ it's an IQ test. And all the people that are they're parroting the Adam Schiff Russian disinformation line. I mean, heck, I mean, even a lot of Never Trumpers are going to bat for Biden. You know, trying to discredit the story. I mean, David French over at the Dispatch, man, he's all in. I'm pretending that the Hunter Biden story is fake. David it's like, it's like, French. Why? why? Like, you know, I, I, I have nothing. I've never met the man. I don't want to go ahead and say anything. I know people that know him who right. I trust, and I, I bet he's a nice man. But I, from what I've gathered after reading his column for five years, is that he hates Trump more than he loves anything else. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's amazing. Like, Trump derangement syndrome is this, like, degenerative mental disorder. I mean, like, David French is a constitutional lawyer, like, he's not an idiot. But he's pretending to be an idiot. Like, he's pretending to not know what he's talking about right now to try to prop up Joe Biden. Like, it's it's 
it's it's painful to watch. It's well, I mean, look at look at the look at the Lincoln Project for example. Oh, All those goodness. people were, you know, ten years ago they were trusted insider conservatives, and the reason why they don't like Trump is because he went against their corporate Beltway interests. So it has nothing to do with them wanting to save Republicans and them, you know, standing up for their quote unquote libertarian virtues. They like to bring up uh, to the to the media every once in a while. It's just that they they're no longer in the room where the decisions are being made because their decisions ultimately were harming the American people. So they are literally willing to destroy everyone else in order to be in the room because they would rather be in the room of Democrats so that way they could get invited to their Georgetown parties and everything else than actually do what needed to get done. They hate Trump more than they love anything else. And I keep saying that because I don't think it, I don't think people are really registering this. No one, I don't think really there's any on the fence voters now. I think everyone pretty much made their decision in 2016, right after the election. You knew whether or not you were going to hate him or not. And there are very few people like myself who did not vote for him in 2016, but said, you know, let's give him a chance. Let's see what happens, and you know, let the dice fall where they did. And after I saw how things actually went and what he was doing and what they were doing to him, I figured there's no other way around it. It's Donald Trump versus the rest of the world. And you can learn a lot about a person by the enemies they've made. And he's made the he's made enemies of all the right people. So for me absolutely. it was a real no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean it's it's so easy to vote for Trump because the op I mean, it, it's so easy to vote for a guy when the opposition are a bunch of literal like cartoon villains. Okay. <laughs> like we'll get to big tech in a second, but from big tech to the press and their cartoonishly evil behavior. To the Democratic Party themselves. I mean, just look at the Democratic Party's platform. I mean, they're like, they're they're throwing out any semblance of sanity. I mean, it, even from the the policies, you know, taxpayer funded abortion up to nine months or after, you know, you just give birth to a baby and, and just kill it, shoot it in the head or whatever. I mean, that's in the Democratic platform. I mean, they, they want to. They're openly bragging about how they want to pack the Supreme Court, destroy the United States Senate. I mean, it's like since Trump is kind of anti-war now, now they're all in on never-ending wars. They just want to bomb Muslims all over the place. It's like they have these like cartoonishly evil policies. Look at look at a guy like Andrew Cuomo, like the the, the hero of the left, hero of the Democratic Party. Like the guy is a cartoon villain. Like, he's a cartoon. Like he slaughters. 10,000 elderly New Yorkers and then I, writes I a book about had, how yeah, awesome he is. Yeah, I want to know where he had time to write that book. I want to know who actually wrote his book. Because God knows he did not write that. I don't think he's bright enough to write his own name, let alone a book. But it's like, I mean, this guy is just a cartoon villain. Like, I, I, I it's hilarious, man. The, the Never Trumpers make less and less sense by the millisecond as the left embraces this cartoonishly evil behavior. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm feeling more and more like this, like, this, this election is an IQ test. I mean, it came down to that. Um, I I have many friends who are voting libertarian, and ultimately it's like, why? I mean, yeah, you don't like Republicans. <laughs> I don't like Republicans either, but it's like one person was actually trying to stop American cities from being burnt to the ground. Yeah. One person exposed the press for what they did. And whether you like Brett Kavanaugh or whether you like Mike Flynn, understand what they did to them was one of the biggest – Yes government transgressions we've ever witnessed and if they could do it to those people they can do it to you yeah yeah Let, let's talk about the the libertarians a little bit because <laughs> apparently trump is so uh 
divisive that he's divided the Libertarian Party as well, <laughs> not just the Republican Party. So, but, tell me what you think about this. Do you think that more self-identified Libertarians will vote Libertarian, or will they vote Trump? I think. Let me know if if you think I'm wrong. I think a lot of Libertarians, including Libertarians that are publicly pushing Joe Jorgensen, are going to vote for Trump when they're by themselves in that voting booth. Agreed, 100%. Because you cannot look at a a Joe Biden who's endorsed Black Lives Matter race riots, endorsed not ending wars ever, you know, done things like like you said, went after, you know, Mike Flynn and these guys, a a man with dementia. I don't know, man. I I have to. Yeah, like I was standing in line to vote the other day, and part of me was like, you know what? Vote LP. It doesn't matter. Your your vote doesn't matter in the blue state of Virginia. But as I was standing in line, talk, hearing people talk about scary AR-15s and how we need to, you know, make not wearing a mask a federal hate crime and stuff and all this other bullshit. I'm just thinking, oh my god, there is no sensibility with these people. There's nothing in the middle. There's nothing connecting me between me and them. They live in such a bizarro world that they can look at the world around them, but it's like they're stuck in the matrix. I I do think, I think a lot— This is coming from somebody that voted for Tulsi Gabbard like five months ago. Right, right, right. Like, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. No one can say I'm like this super partisan who's just always had his back and stuff like that. I consider myself a pretty independent and objective person. And if I'm witnessing this, I know there are millions of others like me witnessing this. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of libertarians with, you know, hashtag vote for Joe Jorgensen in their Twitter bios are going to vote for Trump. Yeah. Because they know what the alternative is. Yeah, man. Race riots or no race riots. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like higher taxes or lower taxes, war or no war. I mean, like literally confiscate your guns. Don't confiscate your guns. I mean, that's pack the Supreme Court. Don't pack the Supreme Court. The thing is, man, like that's that's the thing. The whole packing the Supreme Court thing. That's legitimately the, the biggest scandal in decades. That's bigger than the Hunter Biden thing. That's like that's worse. You know, the worse than Watergate trademark. Like, that is worse than what, like, the Democratic Party are bra- are bragging about how they're going to pack the Supreme Court, effectively destroying one branch of the American government. Oh, well, well, let's talk about Barrett for a second, because everyone, all the Democrats keep saying, well, Republicans fought Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland, in uh, 2016, because they said it was an election year. Why aren't they doing the same thing? Well, really, Republicans didn't plan on doing it, even if ba- uh, Ginsburg had died. They're doing it because Democrats have set up this stupid scenario where you have a uh, a, a brokered electoral college and the decision has to go to the Supreme Court like in yeah. the year 2000. Yeah. So really, this whole thing is happening because the Democrats have said, no, this is going to happen. So Republicans right. said, well, you don't want to split court, so let's have somebody there. This is a this is purely because of their actions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I don't know, we, we probably aren't going to know the results of the election on election night, and it might go to the Supreme Court. Really? I think we will. They were saying it was 91% Hillary Clinton in 2016. 91%, 8% Trump. Uh, I, I On my electoral map, I had Evan McMullen winning the state of Utah. And then we saw how it actually happened. There, there, you know, the, what, the, what the media and what all these so-called experts predict is divorce from reality. I, I remember driving after completing a full day's work on, a, on election day in 2016. I was going to our 
our congressional campaign's uh, election party in Charlottesville. And I just remember thinking in my soul, it's like, okay, my guy's going to win, but Hillary Clinton's about to be president. So I might as well just accept it. And then as I'm watching the results, it was completely different. These people have no, I mean, it's, it's no semblance. And besides the people that did that poll, they work for Mike Bloomberg. They work for Mike Bloomberg. Besides, here's another question. Have you gotten any surveys or phone calls asking you how you're voting this cycle? I have not. Me either. I get them all the time, every cycle. God hates Virginia. We have an election every year, and I always <laughs> get them. And I got none this year. Zip, not a zilch, zero, none. I mean, I've I've talked about this with a lot of people, man. Um, the whole, the polls, you know, are the, are the polls BS? And I don't know. I mean, like the national polls were off a little bit, but not that much. The state polls were off a little bit. Not, I don't know. I mean, Trump's down okay, here, here's, worse here's some, in the polls some, than he was four years ago. I don't know what that means. Yeah, here, here's a story. And most of these polls are public opinion polls. When I and, and this is what they literally do. When I was at the Washington Times and I had to cover the opinion section, I had to go ahead and make sure that I met a certain threshold for impressions within a 24-hour period. Whenever I needed to maintain that or if I ever want if I if I was ever at like the cusp of breaking like a record what I would do was I would put out a Twitter poll link it to a story and the question would be who do you think is going to win Trump or Biden <laughs> and it would literally almost have nothing with the story but people oh my would gosh. vote and people would share it like it was life or death and you know, regardless of who won the poll, everyone would scream, "Oh, I won the poll! I won the poll!" You know who won the poll? I won the poll. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny, man. That's like, so funny. It's, it, it's some like Twitter dark arts stuff, but but they do that for their own internal polls. What happens is you get the most crazy right wing person, the most crazy left wing person, and then they forward it to all their friends. Um, and then they have them do it. So then, I mean, that's why Joe Jorgensen like got like 30% in one of the last big polls. I did it got almost like 2 million impressions right before I left the times, because it wasn't that everyone was suddenly thinking, Oh, I, I'm going to vote for Joe Jorgensen. No, it's because libertarians hijacked the polls. So you had like Trump at 40%, Biden at 10 and then <laughs> Jorgensen at like 50%. It's like, that's not a real poll. It just matters who showed up for the poll. How, what do you at think? End, uh, yeah. What do you think Joe Jorgensen gets? Less than one percent. Less than one. I was gonna say like because I think Gary Johnson got like over three percent. Yeah, like three point five or something. Yeah, which is actually very good for a, a libertarian. Uh, yeah, man, I I can't see Joe Jorgensen getting over like people. People 2%. keep trying keep people keep trying to make her cool. And no matter how many memes you make of her, no matter how many you know new labels of whiskey you name after her, you can't make her cool. It's almost like the Democrats trying to make Hillary Clinton a thing in twenty sixteen. You can't make her a thing. Because here's what's going to happen. She's going to lose. She's going to, you know, the libertarians are going to say, oh, this is a big monumental achievement for whatever reason. And then February, she's going to do what she did when she left, uh, you know, left the scene in 1996, 2000, whenever she was Harry Brown's VP. She's just going to disappear. Yeah, man. Look, I'm a pretty radical libertarian, and there is no reason for the libertarian party to exist. Just, I mean, if it if it was a business, like what <laughs> business survives for fifty years without making a profit? Because that's ultimately what it is. Yeah, it's fifty years of no return. I mean, any any libertarian politician who's made any impact 
on American politics has been a Republican. Whether it's the Pauls, a guy like Mike Lee, a guy like Thomas Massey, Justin Amash. I know Justin Amash left the GOP, but he's he's a Repu- he was a Republican his entire career. I mean, dude, that that if you're a libertarian thinking about running for office, run for office as a Republican. You might actually have a chance to get elected and, and make a difference. Shit, I'll say run as a Democrat too. Why not? Why not? I mean, Why look, not? Look at a guy like Mike Lee, man. He's like he's he's a solid libertarian senator. He's on the short list to uh to to be on the Supreme Court. You know, like it was down between like him and a couple other people and Amy Coney Barrett. You know what I mean? Like he is on President Trump's short list to be a Supreme Court justice. Like if you know if if Clarence Thomas or, or Breyer or any of these guys, you know, dies and, and Trump's reelected, you could see Mike Lee, a libertarian, on the Supreme Court for thirty five years. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like if he instead of joining the GOP ran as a libertarian and got one percent in the polls and lost, and there was no Senator Mike Lee, that would have been a ridiculous wasted opportunity. Well, I mean, I, I look at Amash, for example, and libertarians are gushing over their first libertarian congressman. It's like, nope, nope, it, it's so nope, disingenuous. That's not real. That's not yeah, real. Like, he did like not win one, as a libertarian. <laughs> exactly. It's it's that. And he didn't even want to become a libertarian until he thought he'd get a bunch of media attention to run for president. And then he gave that up. So basically what you're looking at, somebody who, you know, it's like, it, it's like after they've thought about breaking up with their girlfriend, but then the girlfriend breaks up with them and then they go around screaming, look, I broke up with her. Ha ha. Right. You know, it's basically that he's going to be the last one. Yeah. It's kind of sad seeing like LP guys, like gushing over Justin. It's like, guys, come on, man. Like he, he kind of carpet bagged you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he's been a Republican his entire career. You know, it's kind of sad. And, and he only became famous for voting to impeach a president for absolutely no reason. So it's like, all right, if that's your claim no, that, to fame. That, that, that's when he lost me. It's oh, like, yeah, dude, same. you know this isn't real. You know this is all contrived. But, you know, like many other people, he hates Trump more than he loves anything else. I went to go see him do a live recording on a on a podcast in Alexandria like, you know, nine, ten months ago. And it was literally him just talking about how much he hates Trump. And it's like this is a man who I really have a lot of respect for, but he's just completely distorted himself. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pathetic. I mean, he threw away his career. He was a good, he was a solid congressman. He had a great voting record. Like his yeah. liberty score was like ninety-seven or, or something like do, that. Do I do I believe that Rand Paul absolutely loves the man who called him short and ugly on TV? Of course not. Of course not. But he, Rand Paul, cares more about the American people and cares more about the Constitution and liberty than he hates anything else. There's a distinct difference. And he's making a difference. He's moved Trump in in a libertarian direction on some very important issues like criminal yep. justice reform, like war. You know what I mean? Like Rand Paul, are you going to influence American politics by just bitching, bitching on podcasts about Orange Man Bad or by actually playing golf with the president of the United States and influencing him on major issues that affect real people? Yep. That's all, that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> 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 it's uh it, it's gonna be interesting I, i'll let you know for my podcast on the run i actually recorded my election day episode um what? before i <laughs> before i ultimately decided who i was going to vote for why and uh well i'll i'll, I'll tease it for you okay let's just put it this way what i recorded before i went to vote then i voted then i went back and i listened to the episode and then i voted oh. again no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> But let, let's put it this way. I, I listened to it after I voted, 
and I'm still putting up the episode. I'm not changing anything about it because ultimately what people will hear in there is ultimately the only message that I think is really going to matter for a majority of people. Let's put it that way. So that's a teaser. So tell, but, uh, tell yeah. us about uh, your other podcast. That's, oh, uh, Second Print Comics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I needed like a hobby or else I was going to just completely blow my brains out. But uh, Mark Claire from Lines of Liberty and I, during the pandemic, we found ourselves with a lot of free time. And the one thing that we both agreed on was that there's like no entertainment. Like this is the first year in a decade and a half without a Marvel movie, which is sad. And then, you know, in February when when the Rona hit, uh, there was a big uh, backup with the printer that does all of Marvel's and DC's comics. So for like nerdum, the stuff that kept a lot of people sane, there was nothing left. And, you know, I, at that point, I'd been getting into the XFL. As soon as I was getting into that, all sports ended. So we're like, you know, there, there's got to be some entertainment out there. And we had gone through everything on Netflix. So at that point, we were like, you know, we've been talking about doing a comic book podcast for a while. Let's just do it. So that's how Second Print Comics was born. What we do is each week we go ahead and do a deep dive into the stories that we love as fans. We've talked about everything from, uh, you know, the the monumental X-Men series that came out uh, with um, – with uh, Jim Lee in the 90s during that whole, you know, 90s comic book era. We talked about uh, some of my favorite comics, such as Secret War by Brian Michael Bendis, one of my favorite writers. And what has really been cool about this show is getting to connect with people, you know, regardless of politics, regardless of everything else, we just talk about the comics first. Because ultimately, whether you're a, a diehard comic fan or whether you're somebody that likes the movies and wants to learn more about it, what we wanted to do is do what the celebrities have failed to do, which is to provide people with something that actually entertains them instead of just lecturing them. So regardless of where you are in politics, no matter where you are in life, if you love the comic book medium and the superhero genre, I think that Second Print Comics has been really able to fill a void during these times. Heck yeah, where can everybody get it? Everywhere it's uh, available, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, RedCircle.com. Just type down Second Print Comics, and you'll see us right there. All right. There we go. Everybody check it out. Uh, I probably won't like it because I don't really read comics anymore. I, <laughs> it's all I, good. I, I grew up reading comics, but I haven't in a long time. But I bet if you listen to an episode, you'll get hooked. I'll listen to an episode anyway. Even though I don't care about <laughs> comics, I will check it out. You'll be asking me, Remso, what's your short list of stuff I need to read within a, within a few days? I, I already know it. There you go. Probably. Maybe, maybe not. We'll find out. I'll report back on Wednesday. <laughs> Remzo, I appreciate you, my brother. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. <laughs>